Well, I am, uh, I'm one of the most absent-minded people uh, that I've ever met. Uh, and the story that comes to mind when I think about that is uh, very early on. I think it was actually my first date with Janae. Uh, I was very excited because she was far better looking than I was, and so I knew I've got to make this work out for me. And uh, I, I planned out a whole date for her, thought of all these elaborate things to woo her and get her to, to like me because she was ambivalent at the time. And uh, I remember one of the things in particular, I got some flowers because I, I knew that's what you do. If you're a romantic guy, you get flowers. So I went and bought these beautiful flowers. I went home to my college apartment. Uh, I put them in the sink and I turned the tap on. And then I remembered there was some other stuff that I got to take care of. So I went into the living room, and then I met my roommate. So me and him were talking for a while. We were talking about things. I was telling him I was excited. And then I remembered, oh, gosh, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't got my food done for dinner ahead of time, so I needed to go take care of that. So I went and did that. And then eventually, maybe 45 minutes to an hour later, I remembered, did I turn the tap off? So I went back to my room, and I shared this room with some of the guys. It, the whole place was flooded. I mean, the bathroom was kind of off to the side of the bedroom. It had come out of the sink, flooded the bathroom. It was now soaking through the carpet, and it was that kind of, you know, when you went in, it was horrible. It was like several hundred dollars worth of carpet repair and all kinds of stuff, all because my mind couldn't stay present to what I was doing in any one moment. It kept jumping all over the place, and that has never ceased my whole life. I am such an absent-minded person. My mind wanders so easily. Don't all of our minds wander easily? Don't our hearts wander easily? Even the best of us have a tendency to let ourselves wander in our faith and our passions and our loves. We can get distracted. We can have these surges in faith experiences where our faith's going amazing, we're in love with God, we're in love with our church, everything's moving in the right direction, and then something else happens and all of a sudden we forget that. And our mind and our heart wander. Because life gets busy, or life gets painful, or life gets complicated. We're distracted. There's an old hymn that I think of when I think about this is uh, by Robert Robinson, uh, who was a pastor. A hymn that I'm sure a lot of y'all are familiar with. Come thou fount of every blessing. And in that, there's a line where he writes this. He says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're in this series called The Way. And my question this morning is, once we've started on the way, how do we keep ourselves on it? How do we keep our attention in the right place? How do we stop from doing what the pastor told us so long ago, wandering from the God that we love? Because it's easy to get on the way. It's not always easy to stay on the way. How do we keep ourselves from wandering from the way of Jesus? And how do we grow in the strength to follow Jesus for the long haul? Well, the good news is that Jesus has an answer. Jesus has an answer for us. This is John 15, verses 1 through 11. I want you to read this through with me. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. 
anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said this toward the end of his life. In fact, it was the last night that he would be alive before the cross. And he knew his disciples needed encouragement, needed encouragement for the long haul, needed to figure out what's this going to look like tomorrow. What's it going to look like for the rest of their lives? How are they going to hold on? And he leaves them with this analogy that drives home one of the most important truths of our faith. You don't cling to God, he clings to you. Growth doesn't come from effort, it comes from abiding in Christ. It comes from being intentionally present with the one who loves you. Think about that for a moment. Growth does not come from effort. It comes from abiding. And so figuring out what abiding is and figuring out how to let that happen in our life is so crucial to walking the way of Jesus. So I want to look at three things in Jesus' encouragement in John 15. The way of fruitfulness, the way of pruning, and the way of joy. Let's talk about the way of fruitfulness first. One of my favorite things to do is play little games with my kids. Uh, They love guessing games. They love things like I Spy or uh, things like that. And so... Uh, we've recently gotten to 20 questions, and uh, my daughter, Annie, she's only three years old, but when she sees me playing this with the boys, she always wants to get in on the fun. She wants to be a part of it. She wants to feel like a, a, one of the bigger kids, so uh, yesterday, I was playing this game with her, and she provided me with a perfect illustration because we were talking, and I would go first, and what we would do is we would guess animals, and so I kept it pretty simple for her. I you know, said, okay, this animal has a beak, and it has wings and a tail, and she was like, a bed, it's a bed, and I was like, yes, that's right. I say, okay, now you go. I want you, don't tell me what it is. I just want you to tell me different things about an animal and I'll try and guess what it is. And she goes, okay, uh, it's a tiger. And then she started telling me things. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't think you're quite getting it. And so the, uh, this went on for 10, 15 minutes. She couldn't grasp the idea of not telling me right at the outset what it is that she wanted me to guess. And as, as goofy as that is, it was really sweet. That in her heart, she wanted me to be able to be a part of what she was doing. In her little mind, she wanted me to understand. She wanted me not to just be taking shots in the dark. She wanted me to to understand. And friends, Jesus loves you so greatly, he wants you to understand too. He doesn't want you to be taking shots in the dark in your faith. He wants to be clear with you. He wants you to understand what this way is, what he's leading you towards. And so in this little analogy, he makes it clear what the purpose of God's work in our life is, and it's to bring about fruitfulness. Let's read those first few verses again really quickly. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. God's goal in our life is always to bring about fruitfulness. The way of Jesus is the way of fruitfulness. 
This is always God's plan. So he, he gives this illustration, one of the most unique and interesting that Jesus has given of a vine. And it's actually not the first time that this kind of illustration has come up between God and his people. In fact, if we go to the Old Testament, the vine's talked about quite a bit, but a little differently. Here's how we read about the vine in the Old Testament. This is Jeremiah 2.21. He says, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he also talks about a vine. He says, He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and he hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. So here's what's so unique about what we're reading in John 15. It's not a new analogy, but something's changed. If we look at those verses in the Old Testament, who is the vine in the Old Testament? You can shout it out. I like interaction. Who is the vine in the Old Testament? Israel. Israel. That's right. The analogy in the Old Testament is God has planted this vine and he's looking for it to be fruitful. He's planted Israel. He's planted his people. He's been with them. He's working in them and he wants them to be fruitful. But are they fruitful? No, they rebel, they grow wild. Every season God is looking for fruit and it's not there. God harvests, he's trying to harvest, there's no fruit there. So it's kind of hard because when the disciples hear Jesus start talking about vine, they know that most often this has been talked about in the sense of we're not who we're supposed to be. God has given us a charge and we fail to live up to it. Is that where Jesus is going to go? Is Jesus going to remind us of our failure and our weakness, our inability? He is, but he's going to do it in a very strange way. Because in Jesus' analogy, who is the vine? He is. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I know you failed, but I won't. I know you haven't been who you should have been, but I am who I am for you. For that very reason. You have failed, but I won't. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is the true vine. He is what all of us always should have been. We have not been faithful or fruitful. And Jesus says, I know, and I've got you. Because I will be. Now that's really good news. To know that we are not the vine. To know that our inability and our weakness and our failure is not the end of our story with God. Because there is a true vine. Now before we go any further, I realize we might not even really understand what fruitfulness is to God. He talks a lot about bearing fruit in these first few verses. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to bear fruit? I think there's a lot of things that can come into our mind when we think about what does it mean to be fruitful Maybe it's being involved in church. Maybe it's serving your community. Maybe it's having the kind of right behaviors and attitudes in your life. Fruitfulness is not attending church or participating in events or collecting books about Jesus or learning the Christian words and lingo. It's not having loud, aggressive opinions about issues in the world. It's not presentableness. It's not comfort. It's not wealth. It's not ease. It's not even happiness. And it's certainly not busyness. Galatians 5, through 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
That's what God is trying to bring about in his people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God's aim in your life is to try and create fertile ground for those things to grow. And he's not content with small crops. He wants to see them increase over the course of your life. If you're patient, he wants you to be more patient. If you're generous, he wants you to be more generous. If you are joyful today, he wants to increase that joy so that it has no measure. That's his aim. And to get that, we have to abide. The Greek word for abide in, uh, in this passage is a Greek word meno, which means to remain, or more interestingly, make your home in. So Jesus is literally saying, I want you to make your home in me. I want you to remain with me. I want you to stay with me. It's crucial for us to understand because sometimes we treat Jesus like he's the doorway to relationship with God. But once we're in, once we've got our ticket, then it's all on us to try and make it work. We gotta figure it out. Now maybe Jesus was enough to wipe out my sins, but I gotta make sure that I don't mess this up again. It's all hanging on my head now. And that's not what the Bible presents. It's not the gospel, it's not the good news. We don't just come in through him, we have to remain with him. We have to stay with him. Make our home in him. The way of Jesus isn't saying, thank you Jesus, and now I'm gonna go figure it out on my own. It is a constant fixing yourself on the truth that Jesus is and always will be everything you need for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Abiding means filling your life with things that stare your affections for Jesus, that drive your attention and your heart constantly back towards him, who he is, what he's done. Pastor Brian and our preaching team this meeting, we were talking about this passage, and he had this fantastic definition that I had to steal for us this morning, because he said, abiding is not trying harder. Abiding is allowing yourself to be loved by Jesus. That sounds good, but do you do that? Do you allow yourself to be loved by Jesus? Do you allow him to speak to you of his great love for you? You ever see uh, the movie Good Will Hunting, where Matt Damon, uh, he's playing this kind of troubled teen, and Robin Williams is his counselor, and there's this scene in this movie I always think of, where he's kind of coming in, he's unpacking all of his issues to Robin Williams, and Robin Williams, this counselor, he can see this brokenness inside of Matt Damon, and he says, you know it's not your fault. And Matt Damon says, yeah, no, I, I know, I know. I know a lot of things have happened to me. It's hard. And he says, no, do you know it's not your fault? He says, yeah, no, I know. I get it. He says, do you know it's not your fault? He says, stop it. Stop, stop trying to get into me. Stop trying to reach that part of me that's hurting, that's broken, that doesn't want to be touched. He says, do you know it's not your fault? Matt Damon, he gets angry. He pushes back, he's, he's kind of lashing out. Friends, do you know how often God wants to love us and we push back against him? How often he wants to pour his grace into our life, show his affection for us, show his power for us, show his devotion to us, and we hold him at arm length and say, don't, don't come near me. Let me figure it out. I can't, I can't look at that. I don't, want to, I don't want to get into it. Abiding is being present with him daily so that we don't forget we have no reason to be avoiding God. Because when we're not present with God, 
we wonder, we forget. We even start to edit Jesus to make him into someone he's not. We wander off into religious substitutes for Jesus and we say, well, maybe if I just do this list of things, I'll be good. Maybe if I say these right things and have these right relationships, that's what relationship with God is really all about. And we forget that he just wants to be present with us. He just wants to love us. He wants to find those broken things in us that we don't want anyone to touch, that we want to hide, that we want to bury. But he wants to expose so that we can have love, joy, peace, patience. We need the vital connection of God flowing into us. You know what we don't need? What we don't need is to try and take upon ourselves the responsibility of bearing fruit. Some of us, instead of letting God work in us and letting us bear fruit, sometimes we go out there and we nail fruit to the branches so that we can look really good, right? Can you imagine going into an orchard and you see a beautiful apple tree, a beautiful pear tree, and then there's one where someone has just nailed a whole bunch of fruit to it? We'd see instantly, that's not a good tree. That's not a healthy tree. And yet, how many of us treat our walk with God like that? We don't want to be present with him. We don't rest with him. We don't let him speak his love into us. We're just trying and trying and trying. We're working as hard as we can to look impressive, be impressive. And instead, Jesus wants to hold us and pour his life into us so that we don't need to nail fruit to our tree. It will just grow. If you're stuck in your growth and your faith, if there are questions, if there are burdens in you, I want you to ask yourself this morning, are you abiding or are you trying? Are you being present with him or are you trying to impress him? It's not the only thing that Jesus talks about here, though. He talks about the way of pruning. The way of pruning. Uh, some of you guys know I've been working this summer to lose some weight to try and be healthy. It's starting to come back a little bit, so I'm having to be uh, working on it. But what was frustrating at the start of this journey is that I put a whole bunch of working out. I would go on really long bike rides. I would go on runs. Uh, I would work out with some friends, sometimes go swimming, different things. And what I noticed is it wasn't really coming off. It was really frustrating to me. And then my I'm talking about this with Janae one evening, and I'm saying, you know, I just, I'm so frustrated. I feel like I'm doing all this work, and I'm just not losing anything. She says, have you maybe tried not eating a whole birthday cake to yourself? <laughs> have you maybe tried cutting out a few sodas here or there? Have you maybe tried not eating all of the kids' candy to yourself? Like, I, there were so many things in my life that I was doing to try and lose weight. There wasn't really anything that I was trying to get rid of. I was, I was trying to add a lot of stuff. I wasn't trying to get rid of stuff. I was trying to... Power through that way, and that didn't work. And friends, your spiritual life will not work from trying to add a whole bunch of things and not being willing to let God say, there are a few things that you need to let go of too. It says in John 15 too, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It says in 6 and 7, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's such a great analogy because this is quite literally the perfect analogy for pruning. If you don't know anything about pruning, when a farmer goes out or a horticulturist or whatever the professional term is, if you, they go out and they're pruning their, um, their crops, if you were to watch that happen, you would think that they were killing their, their plants. Because they go out and they, they find all these different areas and they just start snipping. 
that cutting off things, some of which look healthy, some of which look green, some of which even have fruit on, and you wonder to yourself, why are they doing that? Why are they slicing and dicing? Sometimes you see stuff lying on the floor and you ask yourself, this looks bad, this pruning thing. And notice in this passage, what's even more interesting, and it's true about real pruning, who are the people that God is pruning? Is it the ones with no fruit or the ones with fruit? With fruit. Isn't that strange? If you bear fruit, I'm going to prune you. If you don't bear fruit, I'm just going to cut you off. But if you do bear fruit, I'm going to prune you. Why would God prune something that's fruitful? Why would he bring about something that's inconvenient, maybe even painful? Might make you look a little bit like a disaster. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Because he wants you to have more fruit. Do you know that in real plants, if you don't prune it, you end up having unfruitful branches that suck life away from ones that could be going. You've got to be on top of it. You've got to know what you're doing. And the only one who is wise enough and perfect enough and loving enough to be able to come in our lives and help us understand how we can be healthier, how we can be more fruitful is God. And so he prunes us. In Hebrews 12, we're told, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Do you know that pruning and discipline is a demonstration of God's unfailing love towards us? He doesn't prune people he's not in love with. He doesn't challenge people that he doesn't care about. Here's the other thing to remember as well. Things that God takes away from us, things that God prunes, it's never a real loss. It's never a real loss. This is what Tim Keller says about this. It's so, so interesting. He says, God will never take anything away from you that was not already a loss for you. He will never take anything away from you that was not already a loss for you. When God prunes us, it's so that he can build more fruitfulness in us. How does he prune us? How does God prune us? How does he do this work in us? First of all, through his word. Jesus himself mentions in John 15, if you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. And I want to be clear here. What Jesus is not saying is, if you do this, then I will love you. He's already said at the start of this passage, remember, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. What he's saying is, if you come to my word, if you keep my commands, if you stay with me, then my life will flow into you. This is not a, if you do, then you will get. This is a, because I've given you, use it. Live in it. Let it fill your life. His people also are a part of God's pruning us. In Pastor Jeff's sermon last week, he said something that stuck with me. He said it on the podcast. He said, no one's lied to me more than me. So if God's going to prune us, sometimes he needs a set of eyes that are not ours because we deceive ourselves. We don't, we're not honest with ourselves. We need to be in a church that can help us see, a community of believers who can help us see ourselves, help us see the places in our life where there might need to be some pruning. His spirit prunes us too. 
In John 15, 14, the chapter right before this one, Jesus talked about the coming of the Spirit, the one who would care for us, take care of us. The Spirit prunes through God's word, but it also just prunes through circumstances in our life. There might be circumstances right now where God is trying to prune you, that you want to avoid, that you want to get rid of, that you want to look away from. But sometimes God wants to bring fruitfulness through hard things. And sometimes, instead of avoiding them, instead of running away, we should be present and say, God, how are you trying to work on me here? This difficult relationship, are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to grow patience within me? This painful situation over here, are you trying to grow love within me? Self-control within me? God wants to prune our fears and our pride and our desires. God wants to work fruitfulness in us. And ultimately, it's for an amazing purpose. Because what does Jesus say at the end of John 15? I'm doing this so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. That's the way of joy. The way of joy. John 15, 8 through 11, the last part of John 15 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Sometimes we have such a horrible image of the Father as a vine dresser, that he just wants to mess our lives up, come in, cut things out. And we miss that last line. That he wants us to have joy. That the Father in heaven wants to flood your life with joy. Fill you up with joy. The joy of Jesus. That's the ultimate aim of abiding with Jesus. Is the fulfilling of our joy through the receiving of his. A couple of things to highlight here before we finish. First of all, the world would see that you are my disciples. As the passage, he says, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that the world will see your, my, that you are my disciples. When we don't bear fruit, when we don't abide, God's not seen for who he really is. Tony Evans says three really interesting things about fruit. He says, first of all, fruit reflects the tree that it's growing on. Apples show it's an apple tree. Peaches show it's a peach tree. Fruit of the Spirit shows that you belong to God. Shows you that He's at work in you, that He loves you. First of all, fruit is vis- the second of all, the fruit is visible, right? Fruit's not hidden. You go past an apple tree, you can see it right there. It's hanging right off. So the work of God in our lives shouldn't be hidden. We shouldn't be hiding it from the world. And lastly, fruits for other people to enjoy. Right? Fruit grows on the tree, it's pl- picked off. People enjoy it. It doesn't just stay there forever. The fruit that God wants to grow in your life is for the benefit of other people around you and for his kingdom. So that more people could experience the love of God. So that more people could experience the kindness and the grace and the patience and the mercy of God. We want to display the glory of God in our lives because it's good news for everyone. It's good news for everyone. Here's the part that I'm going to have a really hard time not talking for 30 more minutes about. 
You'll notice what he says in the end. He says, I just want to read it exactly as it is in John 15. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How does the Father love Jesus? With total perfection. The Father loves Jesus, the Son. He's devoted to him. He's committed to him. He has no unpleasant thoughts about him. He praises him and rejoices in him. He tells other people, this is my son in whom I'm well proud. This is, this is my son who I love. And yet, you know, so often I think he doesn't feel that way about me. So often I'm convinced he loves Jesus, but he doesn't like me. He's irritated by me. He's bored of me. He's impatient with me. And that's not true. Do you know the gift that Jesus has given you and given himself? Is that you are now as loved as he is. That the Father loves you with the same love with which he loves the Son. That's what Jesus has given to you. Perfect devotion, unfailing commitment, delight, rejoicing. Isn't that something that you want to abide in? I do. I need that. I want to be present in a love like that. I want to be awakened to a love like that. I want to be conscious of a love like that, that it's given to me, that's for me. I've really wrestled this week with this whole passage because I, you think about abiding and even in our preaching team meeting, I wrestled with this with Pastor Jeff and Brian. My mind just wants to go to, yeah, but what do I, tell me how to abide. Tell me what I do. Tell me the things that I can go make a list of and I can go do them this week and then I can sit down and go, oh, I'm abiding now because I did a whole bunch of stuff. I really wrestled with it. I struggled with it because the essential meaning of this whole passage is abiding's got nothing to do with making a list of things that you need to go do. It's about coming back to the list that has been completed by Jesus and reminding yourself, it's done, it's finished, it's over. Now you can just be present with him. You know those times in Israel's history where they would have to go through entire religious rituals to even attempt to approach God? And now Jesus says, I've done away with all of that. I have given myself for you so that you can be present with me daily, hourly, seconds, every second of every day, the Lord is present with you because of the blood of Jesus, because of the life of Jesus. John Piper says, the essential meaning of our active abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. It's just sitting in what's already been done. It's about being present, not letting your mind drift away from it. We've been talking about pruning and cutting. Do you realize that though God does prune and cut, do you realize that Jesus was cut off entirely? Jesus was cut off so that you and I would only be cut back. When we abide, we are reminding ourselves of that fact that God so loved you that he gave his only son his perfect son, to be the true vine, to be what you could never be, so that his life would spill into you and fill you and flood you. I think that you need to know that. And I know that I do. I need to know the God who wants to fill my life 
with his. How many of us this past week could stand up and say, this week I have demonstrated the full harvest of the fruitfulness of God. I'm full of joy, I'm full of love, I'm full of patience, I'm full of self-control. How many of us? Anybody? Not me. Definitely not me. I have not been this week what God has asked of me. But Jesus has. And Jesus invites me to abide in him, to come to him. When I feel empty of God's love, in need of grace, in need of friendship with the one who is the savior, Jesus says, come and abide in me and I'll give you all of that. I'll give you the confidence of a father who is devoted to you. I'll give you the hope of forgiveness for every sin. All of us fall short every day, and so there are none of us who have graduated from our need to be reminded God is gracious, and Jesus is the way. We all need to come back to the life-giving message of the gospel that allows us to acknowledge our weakness and our failure, allows us to find hope and comfort in Christ, and extends power to us to grow us and transform us. Pastor Brian said there's two motivations in this world, have to or want to. Jesus has come so that you don't have to because he wants you to want to. He wants your heart. My friends, there is a God in heaven ruling and reigning and he is today, this very moment, making himself available for you to come to him, to abide in him, to know him. And my encouragement for you and for myself this morning is to stop letting our minds wander. To let God prune us and cut out those things that are distracting us and taking our mind away from Jesus. To be present with him and experience his joy and let it overwhelm every ache in us, every longing in us, every need in us. Let's abide in the one who is present with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the one who was present with us. Lord, that word abide, meno in Greek, it it means to make your home in. And I'm reminded that, Lord, you made your home with us. You came in the incarnation, in sending your son, Jesus, you came and made your home with us so that we could make our home in you. Lord, I pray for us as a church family. I pray for us as a community, God, that we would set ourselves towards you. That we wouldn't just start in the way, but we'd continue in the way. We'd walk constantly aware of and moving towards your grace. Thank you for loving us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Because he's loved us. He's devoted himself to us. He's made his home with us. In any way, we can be praying with you or for you. Uh, We have a prayer team available. We'd love to pray with you here at church. Uh, If there's any way you need encouragement, let us know. Uh, We are a family here at Chapel Street North Aurora and our Chapel Street church families. Uh, We want to take care of one another. So please don't hesitate. Don't avoid coming to be with Jesus this morning if that's what you need. But let me leave us with the final words of John 15, the passage that we looked at today. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
go in the love of Jesus this morning and rest in the finished work of his cross to know that God is faithful to you and he will cause you to bear much fruit. It's in his name that we go. Amen.